Well, I invite you to turn to our, our scripture passage this morning. It's uh, over on page three uh, of, your, of your bulletin. Or if you have your Bible, you can open up to 2 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> We've been studying through uh, 2 Corinthians this year, and we're in a section where Paul is describing the various aspects of his ministry as, and as, as an apostle, as a, as a preacher of the good news. Uh, and, and he comes uh, to continue that theme, getting into chapter 4, and that's where we'll pick up reading the, the first seven verses. So uh, let's, uh, let's listen to God's word together. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give uh, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Let's pray for God's word. Lord, we pray that you would shine the light of your word and show us uh, the glory of the Lord Jesus uh, and his salvation, even this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever suffer from gospel discouragement? Gospel discouragement. You, you think about the places where you want to see the good news of Jesus take hold, transform. You pray for it. You, you, you hope for it. You even try to work for it, but, but you're not seeing the kind of change that you want, you pray for, and you get discouraged. Gospel discouragement. Um, maybe it comes because you kind of look around at the world around, uh, and you see things that just look dark, maybe even darker and darker, and so many, it seems, uh, rejecting the name of Jesus, and you just, you feel discouraged. Um, it's hard to see uh, the light shine. Or maybe it's, maybe it's closer to home, maybe it's specific people that you love, uh, beloved friends or family members, and you're, you want the gospel to really take hold in their lives, uh, but, but you're not seeing it like you're praying for, and you're tempted to get discouraged. Maybe you're discouraged with yourself. Uh, they, they, you know, if you're honest with yourself, there's still sin deep within, and, and it's still making a mess in your life, and 
and you want the, the gospel to, to root that sin out and transform your own heart, but it's not going as fast as you, you want it to. And you're tempted to get discouraged. Gospel discouragement. But then we get to our passage, and Paul opens up by saying, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. In fact, Paul actually uh, comes to the end of chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, and he says the same thing. So we do not lose heart. It's like, it's like bookends on the passage. It's like the frame on the passage. We do not lose heart. Okay, Paul, uh, how can that be? Teach us, show us. I mean, you would think about Paul. Of all people, you might think you might get discouraged from time to time. It would be Paul, right? Here he is with this, this great task of taking the gospel into the, into the known world, and yet we, we know about his life and know that he faces opposition at every turn. Uh, you might remember early earlier in the book, he told us about a time in Asia when the persecution was so severe that he despaired of life, he said. Uh, even, even when Paul gets to places where there's a bit of success, like the Corinthian Christians, uh, this is one of his success stories, people turning to Christ, and, and yet here he is, this church that he's spent more time investing in and, and writing to and visiting than almost any other church, and yet they're struggling some, struggling with sin, rejecting him, uh, and struggling to know whether he's really uh, the guy. Uh, you think, certainly Paul is a guy who's got to get discouraged by, by the gospel. And yet he really not only states, but highlights, we do not lose heart. Okay, Paul, tell us, because we're tempted. Uh, show us. How is it that we cannot, we don't have to lose heart? And, and we're going to work our way through the passage and th see three different aspects coming to the surface and try to connect them back to, uh, to uh, not losing heart. And you see them listed there in your, in your, in your bulletin. And so first, remember it's a be mercied ministry. Be mercy. Ever heard that word before? It's not used in English anymore. It's an old English word, uh, but the Puritans used to like to use it to talk about uh, believers. Who are we? We are those who have been bemercied, uh, recipients of God's mercy. It's, it's, it's like our identity. We are bemercied. We've received mercy. God doesn't give us what we deserve. Right? He, he deserves to pour out because of our sin, judgment, death. Uh, that's what we deserve, but he doesn't. Uh, instead, what does he pour out? He, he gives mercy. He gives us what we don't deserve. Right, New life in Christ, forgiveness, uh, eternal life with him, uh, mercy. So who are we? We are those who are be mercy. It's our identity. It's what we've received. Uh, Paul uses that language to talk about himself. Uh, in 1 Timothy 1, he talks about his salvation. Uh, and he says, though I formerly was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man, but I have received mercy. I, who am I? Uh, this is what I deserve, uh, but I didn't get it because of all that sin. Instead, I got mercy. 
uh, I'm bemercied. Uh, so Paul talks about that when it comes to his salvation. But now you get to 2 Corinthians 4, and Paul uses that same language of receiving mercy and says that not only applies to my salvation, it also applies to my gospel service. Uh, that salvation is a mercy, but also service is a mercy. Do you see it there in verse 1? Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God. So think about Paul's job as an apostle. He certainly wasn't the most qualified guy for the job, was he? Now, there wasn't this extensive interview process where at the end of it all, Paul's resume kind of rose to the top and God was like, oh, now this, this is the most qualified guy. Because after all, what's on Paul's resume? We just read it. Uh, Paul's resume, blasphemer, persecutor, violent man. Right? Not exactly the most qualified guy for the job. That's not why he's called to serve. That's not uh, the basis on which he serves. It's not based on merit. Paul says it's based on mercy. Mercy. You can start to see why God might do it this way, what he might be up to. It's just like in salvation. Right? Service is just like salvation. Uh, God, uh, God gets all the glory when it's all mercy. Right? No one's going to say, uh, uh, if you see fruit coming from Paul's ministry, uh, from Paul's gospel service, no one's going to say, ah, I know why. It's because Paul was the right guy for the job. He, was, he had the best resume, and look, that's what happened. You know, No. God worked despite his resume. Right? And that mercy then, uh, that be mercied ministry, therefore glorifies God. God gets all the glory. Uh, he is the right God for the job. Uh, it's a mercy that's by God's, uh, it's a ministry that's by God's mercy. And then he immediately says, so we do not lose heart. Can you, can you connect the two? Uh, how, because Paul's ministry is a by mercy ministry, that means he doesn't lose heart. Maybe, maybe think of it this way. Uh, think about yourself. Think about someone you hope to uh, encourage with the gospel. Someone you're praying for or uh, hoping to influence. Maybe it's a neighbor or a, or a friend or a family member. Uh, right? You're, you're hoping to, to encourage them with the gospel, but maybe you're not seeing it the way you hope, the way you're praying for. Um, what, what's, one of the, what's one of the things we're tempted to think in that situation? Uh, probably uh, one of the things we're tempted to think is, Oh, yeah, I'm not the right one for the job, right? That's the problem. I'm not the right guy for the job. If God had somebody else here, maybe it would be working, but I'm not the right guy for the job. Right? If, some, if they had a different friend, a different family member, a different parent, then maybe, but look, look at who I am. Uh, this is why it's not working. I'm not the right guy for the job. Well, if, if, our, if our gospel ministry was based on our merit, then yeah. But it's not. Uh, if Paul's ministry was based on his merit, he would be in trouble. But he says it's not. It's by the mercy of God. It's a, it's a mercy ministry. Uh, just like our salvation. Just like your salvation. You didn't get it because you had a good spiritual resume. 
so it is with, with trying to encourage someone else in the gospel and trying to see fruit from it. It's not based on your merit. Uh, he, and, and that's why he uses us. Right? What Paul's going to say, we're just the weak vessels, the clay pots. Uh, right? He puts you where you are and me where I am, uh, not because we're the most qualified one for the job, no, but because he loves to work through objects of his mercy to glorify himself. So that's why we don't lose heart. It's, it's, a, it's a by mercy ministry, a be mercied ministry, just like our salvation. So remember his mercy. Secondly, realize the power of unbelief. The power of unbelief. So as Paul goes into verse 2, he repeats some of the things we've already seen him talk about. Uh, the fact that his, his ministry is preaching, uh, he, he's not going to do it in an underhanded way. Uh, he's not going to be deceptive. He's not going to tamper with God's word to try to water it down and make it a little more acceptable. No, he says, he's, gonna, he's stating the truth plainly and openly. But maybe here's, uh, here's, um, here's where some of the, the discouragement could come in. Uh, okay, Paul, if you're really so open with the good news, just kind of stating it plainly, then how come so many people are rejecting it? Right? It, is it because you're messing it up, Paul? Or, or worse, could it be that the gospel isn't really as good as you think it is? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're tempted in similar ways. Right? You look around and you see so many people rejecting Christ and you think, uh, man, this is kind of disheartening. Are, are we messing it up? Or, or maybe the gospel isn't quite as good as, as we think it is? Uh, well, Paul wants us to realize an important truth. It's a, it's a sad truth. It's a hard truth. Uh, but it's an important one. That's the power of unbelief. Here's how Paul describes it, verse 3 and 4. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, uh, in uh, the, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, if you if you were here last week, we talked about uh, how Paul used this illustration of Moses and his and his veil. Uh, kids, do you remember that? If you were here last week, if you weren't here, we talked about that story in the Old Testament where Moses goes up on the mountain, he beholds some of the glory of God, and remember his, his face becomes radiant, uh, and, he, and he comes down the mountain, he puts a veil over his face so that the people could see Moses, but they couldn't see the glory, the shining face. Uh, so if you want to draw a picture, you could draw Moses again with his veil. Um, but Paul here take, takes that image of the veil, and he uses it again. So last week he made the application, this is why someone can, can take in the word, or this is an illustration of how someone can, uh, can see uh, the Bible and its truth and, and not really catch the good news of glory, right? Because it's like, like Moses being veiled. They see Moses, but they don't see the glory. And here he takes that image of veiling and uses it again. Uh, he says, yeah, it's true. Uh, the, the gospel can be veiled. All right? there, there can be this barrier, so you see but don't see. But Paul says it's only veiled to those who are spiritually perishing, to those, to those who are blind. 
And then Paul says, it's actually the God of this world who blinds the minds of unbelievers. He's referring to, to, referring to Satan. Uh, yes, Satan is real, uh, a real being uh, who works against uh, the, the work of God in the gospel. Now, Paul calls him the God of this world. Now, not God in the sense of he's like the good God, but only bad. And not in that sense. Uh, Satan isn't eternal. He's not all-powerful. He's not omnipresent or omniscient. He's not a, a, good, a God only bad. Uh, he's a God in the sense of, well, having a kingdom, having authority. It's, t- it's bound up with this fallen, evil age, the world. Uh, right? He has a, a reign uh, in this world. And it's demonstrated in his work among those who don't believe. Right? Remember Satan back in the garden. And there's, uh, and there's uh, Satan at work deceiving Eve. Uh, so she doesn't really get the truth. Uh, so she's deceived by uh, and doesn't take in the truth. Now he goes even further. It's not just deception. It's actually complete blindness. He blinds those uh, who, are, who are perishing, unbelievers. So they can't really see the light of the gospel. Um, kids, imagine yourself for a minute that it's a bright sunny day in July and you're standing on the beach uh, and, and you're standing on the beach enjoying it and you have your friend there with you. But it turns out, really sad, your friend is blind. They can't see. Uh, and, and, and you really want them to see. Because you see how, how glorious the ocean is with the light shining off it and the sand and, and the birds. And you want them to see it all, but they, but they can't. Unless there's some kind of miraculous work and, they, and their eyes are healed, uh, they're not going to see any of that sunshine. right? And the problem isn't with the sun, as if the sun was messing it up, not bright enough or something like that. Uh, the problem isn't even with you, as if you didn't guide them correctly to the right place on the beach to see the light. The problem is blindness. Now, uh, Paul's going to highlight in a minute how this really shows us how glorious it is, the work of salvation, in completely remaking us. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But for now, it's this really important reminder of the, of the power of unbelief uh, and the spiritual darkness behind it. Right? It's, it's not the very happiest of news, but it really is important. Uh, and it does explain a lot of what we, what we see around us. It, in a real sense, it shouldn't surprise us that many reject Christ. Uh, sensible people, intelligent people, nice people. The problem isn't with Christ, as if he wasn't radiant enough. Uh, the, problem, uh, isn't, uh, the problem is blindness. Right? If, you're, if you're blind, you could be standing on the beach at high noon, and you're not going to see any light. Uh, so, it is, uh, so it is spiritual. Uh, now, of course, what that should do for us is it should humble us. It should have us marveling uh, that, that God has enabled us to see. If you know Christ, um, then, then the, that only happened because God did a miracle in opening your eyes. Uh, right? if, it, if it were just you, uh, just me, in our sin, we'd be blind too. We'd be standing on the beach at high noon, the gospel shining, and we wouldn't see any of it. We wouldn't see the radiance of it. God did this, uh, did this miracle in our lives. It humbles us, 
and it has us relying on him in prayer, uh, even as we seek to encourage others to turn to Christ. It reminds us uh, why Paul really emphasizes in verse 2 why uh, that we can't be sneaky with the gospel, uh, right? Water it down, make it a little more palatable, uh, right? Marketing isn't the problem, uh, right? Just like there's no need to market the sun. Okay, we'll try something a little different. Let's uh, the, the sun's not working to your blind friend. The sun isn't working. Let's let's try a flashlight. Will that work? That's not the problem. Uh, and that's that's why why Paul is is saying we, we don't we don't like tamper, water down, be sneaky uh, with the good news because that's not the problem. Uh, the prow the power of unbelief and spiritual spiritual darkness uh, has us relying upon the Lord uh, and humble uh, for the work He does in us. Uh, third, uh, point to Christ, not to self. So here we're taking in verse 5. Uh, for we pro- what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants. Uh, it really echoes something we spent a lot of time on a couple weeks ago, that, that we really can't uh, show how glorious Christ is and make ourselves look wonderful at the same time. Uh, but our task is to show the glory of Jesus, and we're just, we're just servants. We're just servants. But I want to try to connect it now to that idea of losing heart and how this really helps us to keep from losing heart. Um, And here's how how one commentator puts it. The critical issue is not whether people accept or reject Paul, but how they respond to Christ. The real issue is not how they respond to Paul, but how they respond to Christ. Uh, Paul warns us against what you could say as over-personalizing the gospel. Uh, Right? Overpersonalizing the gospel, making the uh, the work of the gospel more about us than it should be, right? Because at the end of the day, we're just called to be servants. It's really all about Jesus. Uh, we're weak servants, right? We'll get to that next week more. Verse seven: We're just the clay pots, the treasure within. Um, but it's it's helpful to uh, to see that it's really all about Christ and His glory, uh, and we're we're just the we're just the servants. And then if you over-personalize it, make it too much about you, then you're bound to lose heart. Um, Think about how that could work for Paul, and then we'll get to us. Okay, if Paul uh, makes the gospel more about him, then sooner or later he's going to get discouraged. Uh, because because if it's if it's too much about him, then every every city that he comes to, every crowd that he preaches to, every church that he writes to, each of those gospel opportunities, they if it's too much about him, then each opportunity becomes a referendum on Paul. Right? It's all about him, and oh, and that and that crowd rejects. Thumbs down to Paul. Right? This 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 church struggles. Well, Paul. Negative vote. You know, each opportunity becomes an opportunity for him to fail because it's about him. So sooner or later, Paul's going to get discouraged. Uh, but that's why he says, no, it's not about me. That's not what I'm proclaiming. I'm just the servant. Uh, it's Jesus. Don't over-personalize the gospel. I wonder if that could help us as we think about uh, our own day. 
Uh, maybe, maybe the gospel and the church more broadly, right? You, you, you look around and it, maybe it seems like, uh, like a lot of people are rejecting the Lord and uh, rejecting Christ. Maybe you're tempted to lose heart. Uh, maybe the church is tempted to lose heart. Or even worse, the church is tempted to look at each other and blame one another. Right? I know why things aren't working. It's those Christians over there. They're doing it wrong. Oh, no, no, no. But those Christians over there are saying, no, no, no. It's you, and you guys are doing it wrong. Right? Uh, well, could that be that we're over-personalizing the gospel? That as opposed to just saying, okay, we're servants. Sure, we can talk about how to be good servants. But it's really all about Jesus, not a referendum on us. Uh, it's all about Jesus. How do we be better servants, Lord? Um, could that also help us as, uh, as those who help to encourage individuals? Uh, it it make, makes me think of, of, of Christian parents. You know, one of, the, one of the hardest thing, the hardest thing uh, for a Christian parent is to, is to see, your, see your child struggling spiritually. It's, it's heartbreaking, and, and, there's, and there's nothing that makes that easy or fun. But I wonder if, if part of the difficulty, part of the discouragement can come because we over-personalize the gospel, uh, that, that we, we, we look at our, our child struggling, and, and there's a part of us that sees that as a, as a referendum on our life. So their struggle is this big declaration, you're a failure. But we're not preaching ourselves. We're just the servants. And Paul emphasizes we're fragile clay pots at that, at our best. It's really about Jesus. Uh, and, and, and of course, we, we, we encourage one another to how to be the best servants we can. But at the end of the day, we're still servants. We're still clay pots. Uh, it's really about proclaiming Jesus. Uh, it's really about him and his work. Uh, and and there's what we highlight. We look to him, and therefore we don't lose heart. Uh, last point, which really highlights uh, the work of the Lord in Christ. Ponder what is washed over you. Ponder what is washed over you. I, I like that image. It's not mine. I stole it. Uh, Pastor Dane Ortland writes has a commentary on Second Corinthians, and, and he uses that phrase to encourage us with this passage. Ponder what is washed over. Right? If, you're, if you're a believer in Christ, there's been this tidal wave that's washed over you and completely changed you. Think about that. Think about it. Uh, this Jesus, this gospel that we want, you know, we want uh, to proclaim and see others come to know. Do you see how big it is? Uh, and, and Paul's going to describe it. Here's really, we're diving into verse 6 here. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts... To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let's think about light. Okay, kids, one more question. Uh, one more thing to think about. Uh, kids, do you remember the first thing God ever says in the Bible? The first thing that God ever says in the Bible. You have to go way back. All the way back to Genesis, all the way back to chapter 1, God's making the world. You might remember it's, there's darkness, and God says, let there be light. First thing God says. 
And what happens? Let there be light, and there is light. Light, exactly. God speaks into the darkness, and the light shines. So Paul says, okay, remember that. Think about that. This is the God we're talking about. The God who, who speaks, let there be light, and light shines in the darkness. And now he says, the same God does a, a similarly powerful, glorious, amazing work in changing us. Right? In, in, in shining the light of his sun into dark hearts and light, comes, they come alive. Actually, in chapter 5, Paul's going to call that, uh, that transformation work, he's going to call it new creation. New creation. Yeah, just like the old, let there be light. Now there's a new creation, and it's us. We're a part of it. God shines the light into our lives, right? That we're blind, we have the darkness in our hearts, and God's let there be light. And he even describes, uh, describes the, the light more uh, as, you, as you continue in the verse, right? He's uh, caused the light uh, to shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Remember how right in the last chapter, Paul's been talking about Moses and Moses' face and the glory of God. Because there he was up on the mountain, and Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God says, no, I, I, can't, I can't show you. If anyone sees my face, you, you won't live. You'll die. So I'll show you the backside, the, the tail end uh, of my glory. Uh, oh, here... That's just what Paul's been talking about, that, that Moses on the mountain. And now he's talking about the light of glory that shines uh, in every believer, and he calls it the glory of God in the face of Jesus. He says, we, as those who have been brought to faith, get this thing that, that Moses was longing for, uh, to see the face of God, to see the glory of God, and we get to see it in the face of Jesus Christ who he calls, verse 4, the, the image of God. Yeah, because Jesus is the full, uh, exact reflection of, of the being and the power and the glory of God because he is God the Son uh, in human flesh. And so we can see in Jesus, uh, right, the, the, very, the very glory that Moses couldn't. Uh, it's, it's what floods our lives as we come to know, know the Lord. Uh, we, as we talked about last week, we don't see Jesus uh, physically, but we see him in the scriptures. Uh, as, we, as we take in the word, as the spirit makes us alive, we see Jesus. And Paul says here, we see the glory of God. Uh, so, so do you see what is, what is washed over you? Can you ponder it? Can you see how great it is? Now that here, here you were, believer, here I was, right? It was the darkness of sin, the blindness of sin. Right? Rebelling against God with a heart hostile to him. But then God shines his light. This light that's, that's like creation. Uh, right? Let there be light and light shines in the darkness. That's how God made the world. Now he's making this new creation. And he does the same kind of power and glory. Only it's in our hearts. It's in our lives. And what he shows us, the light that he shines is his own glory in the face of the Son. And we get to take it in. And we get to be transformed by it. That's what we uh, saw last week. 
So what is washed over us, if you're a believer, is not just uh, a little forgiveness uh, or a little avoiding some punishment. Well, it is that. But it's, it's that and so much bigger. Uh, we actually get to behold the very glory of God in the face of Jesus. And what we have now is the tiniest down payment of what eternity will be in his presence. And it's all undeserved. It's all because of the Father's love uh, and, the, and the Son's death for us and the Spirit's uh, new creating work. Right? That's, the, that's what's washed over you. Uh, and if you don't know Christ, uh, maybe you've heard about him, but you can't really say you're following him. And this is what, this is what he, he holds out as the, as the free gift. Uh, so the call then is to, is to turn to him, uh, to in, in faith trust in what Jesus has done uh, and the new life that he alone gives. And this, this glory is, uh, is promised. It's, it's free. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. But he gives it to all who turn to him. Ponder what is washed over you. Meditate on this, and you won't lose heart. Right? You won't, you won't lose heart about yourself, because you see the light that's already beginning to shine, and you get God's promise, he's not going to stop. Uh, it, it, it won't make life easy. Uh, as we'll see next week, there's still lots of hardship. Paul's going to say, we are afflicted in every way. But then he says, but not crushed. Okay, there's where we don't lose heart. He says, yeah, we're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We don't lose heart. It's hard. We're not crushed. We're, we're not despairing. Why? Because this great light has shone, even has, has shown in our hearts, even, even the new creation light of, of Jesus. And, and we rest in that and, and, and find comfort in that. And we get excited about pointing others to that. Uh, not as this duty, but as this joy of, we want others to see this light. Have you seen this, Jesus? And we, do, we ask, Lord, even, even work through me, this, this weak vessel, to, to point others to you. Because the salvation is this great, and the, and the glory of God in the face of Jesus is that great. Let's pray. Father, we, we do ask that you would, you would help us to see more and more this, this great salvation that you brought about. That you, by your mercy, flooded into our lives. Uh, we pray that it would shine forth in us and through us. And Lord, that we would have the privilege of being but your servants, uh, but, but making much of Jesus, pointing others to him. Uh, and that, Lord, your light would shine in our world uh, to your praise and glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>